Barry McDermott, or better known as Baz McDermott. This is a pretty big pod because I've known Baz for a good while. I've known Baz for about 16 years now, and the first time I ever met Baz, he came down to um, deliver a training session as a professional rugby league player for Leeds Rhinos at Cherwell Chiefs, my old amateur club. And I was um, a young lad, about 10, 11 years old, and um, he came down and I remember the exact drill that we did. I remember what bars were like. And um, if anyone has a, has a sort of background knowledge in rugby league, Barry McDermott was sort of notorious, infamous, if you like, in the way that he played the game. He was a great brain international, made it to the top of the game in his position, and play against some of the best players and he's won a Super League, he's won a Challenge Cup final. He's played for Wigan, he's played for Bramley, Widnes Vikings. Baz is now um, the main man, one of the main pundits on Sky Sports. So he's heavily involved in Super League still, but in a way where he's reading the game, watching the game and, and, and translating it for us, watching it at home. So Baz is, is still involved in Rugby League. When you listen to this, you'll understand that Baz was the head of youth development at the Leeds Rhinos at the time when I was coming through. Throughout the pod, we dip into little anecdotes and little little scenarios of, of how I grew up playing the game and, and, and under Baz's tutelage and how I came to, to being where I am now. We dip into little anecdotes about other players and, and what it's like to be a rugby league player and, and the sort of physical arena that you can find yourself in and, and Baz was the man who would be headlined as the most physical or the most aggressive player on the field and um, every prop that had come up against Baz would know that too. Barry also had an accident at 15 years old and this accident um, stopped him in, in his original wishes to wanting to join the army and, and to travel the world. It was an accident with an air rifle uh, that caused him to lose an eye. This is obviously a massive thing to happen at 15 years old. We talk about the aftermath of that. We talk about how it was managing it and dealing with with such a, an accident at such a young age and how that spurred him on to go on to play for Great Britain and, and Leeds Rhinos and, and be one of the most decorated players. Um, we talk about some of the pain he's had through injuries and some of the pain that that we as rugby league players can have when you train to the, to the physical limit and, and where you find that limit to. Just want to shout here to Matt Morris. He is a sponsor. He's a supporter of Mentality. He's, he's a really, really big believer in what we do. The message that we put out there, the message to go beyond stigma, the message to cultivate and um, to use mental health and to utilise mental health. He's over on the other side of the world. He is the director of Morris Infrastructure. So thank you, Matt, for being such a supporter. You are a good bloke as well too, mate, which, which always counts. And I want to just say... Have a look at mentalityapparel.com because we've put out our own clothing. Um, one in four people, 25% of the population suffer with a mental health problem each year. So we are dedicated, committed to donating 25% of our profits that we make from the Mentality Apparel to supporting people psychologically when they need it. Uh, for counselling, mentorship and hopefully this will revolve around the education that we have launched and that we've started with my old school and gone to, to delivering at other schools where we teach values, purpose, responsibility and sort of put those nuggets and, and, and ideas in, in those young young minds. So do have a look, mentalityapparel.com. Keep up to anything that, that we do on Instagram and Twitter, at Mentality. And without further ado, here's the pod with Big Bad Baz McDermott. Yeah.
Mate, what have you on, mate? How are you? I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm looking forward to this. We go back a long way, don't we, lad? We do. We do, mate. We we go back a long way. And I was thinking, I was telling someone the other day, and, and and at Rhinos we do a lot of promos and we do a lot of stuff in the community and stuff. Um, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I'll tell you now. Seeing as just the intro, and it shows how far back we we go without you knowing, possibly. Um, but I remember being a player for Cherwell Chiefs, my amateur team, Buncliffe High School, we used to train. Yeah. And I remember um, you coming across with, I think it might have been Nick Screw, and no, it, might, it might have been someone else actually. Matt Adamson, it might have been. Yes. Um, coming across and doing like a, a bit of a training session, half yeah. hour, 45 minute yeah. training session for us. I can remember the exact drill that we did. Um, and I must have been about 10 years old. I remember the exact the exact drill that we did. You know, going through like pads, going through some like rugby pads. Yeah. Um, and it was like carrying the ball in your right arm, changing it to your left arm, changing it to your right, and like handing off the pads yeah. going through. Might have been a warm up. Might have that been. That had been back four, three, was it two? <sighs> Something like that. Two thousand two. I reckon three. Yeah. Rob Burrow, our good mate, he'd yeah, have been yeah. on on them colders. Yeah. It were all the young lads, basically. I always coached, I always worked with teams and players and, and I was, I'm sure we'll get into a lot, I, I'm, I've always learned my lessons the hard way. Mm. So when I've got through that process, I've tried to hand that knowledge on so that people who are following me don't don't end up making those simple daft yeah. mistakes that I did. But uh, Paul Fletcher... Mm. Leeds met Paul Fletcher, who was coaching yep. the reserve team at the time and probably assistant coach as well. Approach, mate, I'm going to go th through all the amateur clubs in Leeds. Do you fancy tagging along? So I did a year of that. We got to that. the other side. I learnt loads. Uh, like I said, always done bits with Waterhead. I was assistant coach. I was probably coaching my amateur team and my amateur mates when I was 21, 22. Yeah. Um, so Fletch said, how do you fancy doing one on your own? What would you like to do? Would you like to do coaching? Would you like to do a talk? So one year we did the coaching, the year after we did a talk on healthy lifestyle, healthy yeah. eating and, and just being a good bloke. So um, yeah, just going so going all round Leeds, meeting everybody, meeting all the kids, meeting people who as an amateur player would feel unloved by the club. I think that's the thing that the pro game and the amateur game, especially now, you look at service area that's gone. You yeah, look at yeah. you look at the state of uh, the the scholarship and what that does to kids. Having having been part of the process, looking at it, observing it now, you get you know you go to a, a decent amateur club. You might get six, eight, or sometimes ten kids that are different scholarships. Mm. The reality is, maybe half of them or a third of them will get progress on to an, uh, yeah. a pro club and then the other ones fall out of love with the game maybe too embarrassed to go back to the game so so you know just going back to the to the stuff that we were doing it was sort of the start of that just introducing yeah. what the pro club can do and how it can lend its support and I, and I love that yeah. love getting out there and doing my bit yeah and I guess we'll, we'll, we'll go into that in a little bit because you, you obviously moved to after your playing days you were head of youth at Rhinos and obviously that's when I came through uh, you know coming through service area, um, Rhino scholarships, um, and and I guess it all Yorkshire camps and, and, and England camps and stuff yeah. as well. That's when you were, I think, just after um, and playing that we that we all role. But I guess for the listeners, um, I've given a bit of a backdrop and context for, for how long I've known you, I guess, or I've known of you. Um, 
could you give a bit of um, context uh, backdrop about your early life um, growing up, like growing up and as a young lad and um, obviously found rugby league at a young age. Could you just paint a picture for us on that for, for people? So listening? born in Oldham, um, not a council estate, but, you know, wedged in between three or four of them. Yeah. So, you know, my mum and dad had a, a, had a terraced house that they, they owned and paid a mortgage on. A lot of my mates were in council houses, council flats and, and lived in pretty rough, uh, rugged areas. So mm. although I lived in an house that was, you know, owned, if you like, uh, very much my friends and my circle of friends were in were in that type of mindset. So grew up in Oldham, learned all my lessons in Oldham, not really particularly talented at rugby league at an early age. What I was is just dead enthusiastic, loved getting out there, loved getting me, me clothes dirty, me hands dirty and just messing about all day and all night. And then in terms of schooling and, and what sports I went into, I played everything. Mm. I did a little bit of basketball, a little bit of football, a little bit of rugby, uh, baseball, trampolining, gymnastics, yeah. did all sorts. My dad, I mean, I maintain I was a decent footballer because my yeah. dad were a decent footballer, but my dad said I used to play football like I played rugby, yeah. <laughs> which were full contact. Can but, imagine um, that, yeah. yeah, grew up a Catholic. You know, that, that church life combined with sport meant that I didn't have an awful lot of free time. I, I had a big mm. gang of mates who either went church with me or, or or played sport with me or went to school with me or whatever. But I think the the basis of my early life, without looking, you know, if you look at your teenage years being your formative years, my early life was just with my family. Yeah. It weren't often I wasn't with people who weren't related to me in some way, shape or form. Mm. Big, massive family, loads yeah. of women, um, loads of food. The, the the women like to cook and 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 I like to eat. So yeah. it, it was it was all good by yeah. me. So yeah, into my teens, um, there was a there was a, a period where I was doing okay, um, mischievous without being a badden, mischievous. Mm. Um, but then I had my sights set and joining the army. I wanted to go and travel the world. I wanted to go and see far and foreign places and uh, join the army cadets on Rifle Street in Oldham mm. and uh, began to dream about a career in, in the forces as, a, as a, another McDermott that, that yeah. you've had on your podcast. Yeah. Who, it was a great podcast. Love listening to, to Brian Mack. Mm. Um, but yeah, that was something I, I wanted to do. And then fate stepped in and uh, on a Saturday afternoon 5th of December it's, it's good this we've never talked about yeah, this have yeah. we? 5th yeah. of December 1987 went shooting with a mate of mine with an air rifle and a pellet ricocheted off my nose went into my eye blinded me then uh, and then the following year 14th of February I had an operation they removed my eye and that was it that was my f career in the forces gone done yeah. and, and, and I had to think again and, so, and how old were you then, Baz? 15. 15. 15. And, oh, what's so 32 memory? years this year it was, yeah. which is crazy when you think yeah. about it. Can you can you remember the day? Can you remember, like, yeah. is, it, is it a really vivid memory yes, for you? Yes, absolutely. I can yeah. remember every detail about that day. Where yeah. Me and a pal of mine were, were looking for work, sat the job, so we went up onto Oldham Market, Tommyfield Market, which were quite famous in its day. Mm. Asked around, didn't get nothing, went back to his house, you know, started messing about with these air rifles and, and uh, yeah, 
I can remember it happening. I can remember panicking mm. because we we weren't really supposed to be messing about with air rifles yeah, yeah. and we weren't really supposed to be, you know, just generally being reckless like we were. And, and uh, it was a, the sensation of it. You, we, we, we know about injuries and we know about that split second where you know, don't you? You just know, yeah. you know something's not right. Mm. And then went to hospital. Um, it, it was a, it was, you know, when I reflect on it now, it was a time in my life where as a kid, I don't think I was determined. And one of the big themes of my life and our lives when we do what we do in the, in the arena that we've been in mm. is that mental toughness and that resilience and that mm. determination. I don't think I was particularly any of those things, but what I do believe is life's full of lessons mm. and, and you either get back up straight away or in time or you don't get back up and you know those things burden you and those yeah, things yeah, stay yeah, with you yeah. but I learned through a lot of the things that I've been through that once you get back up once you get back into the groove and I believe in chopping things up into little bits mm. so my almost my mantra if you like in life is a bit like running round hills mm. I'd always want to know how many we got yeah. So if it's 10, right, well, that's two fives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and then yeah. once I've done four of them, or once I've done five, then I'm halfway, and I'm yeah. constantly chopping it up. So consequently now yeah. in my life, the year, the my year now, what are we now? Third of, third third of Jan, Jan now, yeah. and I'm mapped, I'm mapped out now for 12 months. I know everything that's in, things will come in and come mm. out, but on the main, I know when I'm having Got a little a trip over to Spain, Obviously, I know when my my sky stuff is is on, and I know the other stuff that I do, the other jobs mm. that I do, the other businesses that I work for, and I know what my free time is and what time I'm going to use for for some of the other stuff that 2020 will throw up. Um, yeah. So yeah, so so you know, just just tracking back a little bit, youth was it was was good, really pleasant. Mm. Got got had loads of fun. Teenage years were some harsh lessons. Went then to be a builder, um, started an apprenticeship as a joiner, started taking me rugby league quite seriously, mm. only because some kid in a playground had read in our local paper when a, when a journalist had said, do you think you will uh, play for Oldham one day? And I'd said, yeah, probably. Why yeah. not? Yeah, yeah. Of which he then twisted round to say, I'm going to play for Oldham one day. So this uh, kid in the playground said, you won't do it. And that is something that I've always took great pleasure in, proving mm. people wrong. It's one of the great joys having those people that say you can't, then suddenly at some point in your life, further down the track, shake your hand and say, well done. And, yeah, and some yeah, have yeah. got good grace and say, you proved me wrong. And others don't even mention the fact that they, they doubted you for a second. So mm. 20s, and nine, uh, you know, nineteen twenty signed for Oldham. Did three years at Oldham. Can I just jump in there, Baz, on, on. on that? So after the accident, um, obviously, I can't. You know, the the sort of self talk or the you know what we're going through your head of that day, maybe in the aftermath as well. Um, what was it like, sort of navigating your school years after that, and and obviously having that 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 phrase, I'm going to play for Oldham, put out there, and. Um, you know, what, what was that sort of mission that, that, that you, I guess, took on to go play for Oldham, go play for Leeds, Wigan? What did that look like after that accident, you know, for you? Did, did, 
was a sort of self-doubt or was a sort of, um, I guess, did you find it tricky, obviously, with your situation that you had? Um, Uh, The short answer is yes. Mm. But the truth is, it never bothered me. Yeah. And nobody said nothing. Nobody said nothing when I played with them. Nobody said nothing when I played against them. Mm. One or two might have said it under the breath. Yeah. I want to sit true might have said it behind my back, but nobody said it up front and to my face. <laughs> um I had a good family. I've still got a good family. We're still very tight. Mm. Now I've got a wife and and three kids and we we are very family orientated. My mum and dad and my wife's mum and dad still alive, my sister, my brother in law. We do lots of stuff together. Yeah. yeah. So if you've got if you're fortunate enough to have that foundation there and that, that bedrock. It doesn't matter where you go, how far you drift off. If you've always got that central point to go back to, I think that's a good anchor. That's a good balance to come back to. So I guess the question you're asking is, how did I navigate my way through that Mm. messy period? I I made a mess of school Mm. uh, because I could take liberties. People knew I'd been through a bit of a traumatic time. Although in my mind, I didn't think it was that traumatic. I didn't fully understand the consequences of it all, I just knew I could take the piss. Yeah. I just knew I could do yeah, what I wanted yeah. and nobody was going to say, you've not got your school tie on or you're turning up at 10 past nine. Mm. So that last year, I wasn't a particular academic kid anyway, um, but if I'd have tried harder, I'd have got better results, mm. better qualifications, mm. but I just I just tossed it off. Yeah. I just thought that, you know, I'll do what I want here. And I didn't really think about what was around the corner. Now, when I then went to work on the building sites, people were taking liberties and people were, you know, I'm, I'm with grown men who, mm. you know, were sending you to the shop for left-handed screwdrivers and <laughs> stuff like that. You know, all yeah, that stuff is going on. I was lucky enough not to be too far that side, mm. you know, um, but I was certainly around all that and I learned to have that thick skin. You need thick Mm. skin. You need to know the difference between people laughing with you and laughing at you. Mm. Uh, And um, my dad's a lovely man. Everybody loves my dad. You've met my dad, haven't you? Mm. Everyone loves him. Uh, Mahogany Bob, they call him now because he's always over in Spain. (laughs) And um, I had big shoes to fill because I wanted people to feel the same way about me that I do and everyone else does about me dad. But I also didn't want people to take liberties because I, I sometimes think that people do mm. and did back then. Mm. So I wanted people to to recognise a serious character, a serious, serious operator, but I didn't want them to be frightened of me, if you know yeah. what I mean. I think yeah. there's a difference between respect and fear. Yeah. So my family was always a good steer for me. It was either I want to do what they're doing or I want it to be like what they're doing mm. or... I want completely different. I want. Yeah. I don't want to be happy with living in a two-bedroom terraced house. I want more. I want. I want to have a a better standard of living. I want better holidays, and that drive and that real determination to better myself was something I always tried to harness. Mm, yeah. So, I mean, you probably imagine had that when you were lucky to go join the army and you wanted to travel the world and stuff, and then obviously that accident or that that sort of um, big thing that happened in, in mm. your life as a young lad, I imagine um, they sort of played a, 
played a part in, 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 in the rest of your life, your teenage life. It's a up. funny question, isn't it, Stevie? And, yeah. and people would say early on, you know, imagine if, you know, you, you was different. Imagine if you had two eyes and you mm. weren't, you know, you weren't hampered. And I would say, and I'd still say, and I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah. Ideally, I would want to look a little bit more normal. I would yeah. want to look like everybody else. But I've had to learn to embrace this. Mm. Embrace it. It's not often I can go in a room and people mistake me for someone else. They don't. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they're aware of me, they can spot me in a room. Mm. That's either a gift or a curse. It's how you approach it, isn't it? Um, so I've actually said this quite a lot recently. I've not ever been anybody that, that wants the limelight, that seeks it. I've just always found myself in it. Mm. Mm. So what you've got to do is you've got to come to terms with it. You've got to think to yourself, am I going to be somebody that tries to hide behind everyone else or do I... How do you operate in that? Yeah, yeah. How, do you, how do you deal with it? Yeah. You, you must have had it. You must yeah. have had it being a, yeah. being a boy prodigy. How did you deal with it? Mate, it's, I'm, I'm, just, I'm asking these questions because I feel like it's a lot of it, what I've been interested in is trying to uncover the driving people. Do you uncover where it comes from, how it, how it happens? And, you know, yours is, is, is different in a way that you had a, quite a big accident. In, you know, as, as it was a, a seminal moment and the nature-nurture thing is a fascinating, yeah, it's fascinating, fascinating yeah. debate and one I, I still look at now when you see successful people, don't you? Mm. And you think, uh, and I always remember uh, Dick and Edwards who I shared an office with when I was head of youth at first. And I used to say to him, look, I know what motivates kids who, who, who live on Belle Isle. Mm. I know what motivates them to better themselves. Mm. How do you motivate a young kid who's, you know, destined, his dad was a great player, his dad was a captain of Otley Rugby Union and he's, mm. he's got a really successful business and he knows, the young kid knows, it's only a matter of a time before he's chief exec or MD or whatever, it's there for him. Mm. His path's all set for him. Mm. What motivates him? And, and we used to have great chats, great mm. debates. That competitive spirit is still there in in that, you know, that little slipstream of, of, of successful people. If you look at it in mining terms, that little gold stream there, that, mm. that's what you're looking for. But mm. it, you have to go through quite a bit. And yeah. when you think back to your court, your group there, there were you, John Bateman and Salty, yeah, the three yeah. who were always going to be successful. Now, mm. Salty's done what he's done. John Bateman's done what he's done. And then you've mm. ended up, we had the conversation. I remember sitting in your house. We've sat in uh, Starbucks at yeah, Wakeda, yeah, aren't we, yeah. at Tingley. And yeah. we sat it all out and we mapped yeah. it all out and mm. said, this is, this is all there for you. The mm. number 13 shirt. One day you could be captain. One day you could be playing in grand finals, challenge mm. cups, all these things. And it's your your process of getting from A to B has been a, has been a difficult one. It's been a fucking mad one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but it, but it's all learning, isn't it? It's mm. it's I suppose it's easy mm. if it's easy. No, oh, mate. Yeah. And and there's no real there's no real prize if it's easy. Mm. So your first challenge cup. What? How many games had you played that first year against Warrington? <sighs> I think I'd played, so I'd made my debut. My debut was when we all dyed our hair red. Can you remember? Yeah, I can remember. It. I was, I was doing the telly. Oh, yeah. yeah, I was on it. <laughs> yeah. What a lot of dickheads um, I was saying. Yeah. And you got battered as well. Yeah, we got battered, absolutely battered. So then for three weeks after that, we're all trying to get to a normal um, hair colour again. Yeah. Everyone dyeing their hair black and stuff. 
think JP got a three year deal after that. Um, and everyone walking around with green hair, green yeah. sort of. Um, that was the 2012, and I'd played, I think, three games in that stint. And then I'd, I think Danny Maguire got injured um, August 2012, played against Catalans away, and then Challenge Cup final started at six. Yeah. yeah. And I think that was six, my sixth game in the first team. And um, uh, Jimmy K had played less than you about two two or three Jimmy K played less than you and you won't know this but we're at a hotel in Park Lane I was working with Rob Oates on the Mm. commercial team and me and a Warrington representative who's an MBE and a very established player one of the greats Mm. of his generation I won't say his name Um, they asked me what do you think the result will be who do you think will get man of the match I said well I think the Rhinos will win Mm. I think Stevie Ward will get man of the match Mm. and uh the Warrington representative, who's a very good player, far better than I ever was, um, stood up and he said, if if, um, if Leeds win and Stevie Ward get man of the match, I will show my ass at Buckingham Palace. <laughs> yeah, well, obviously he was right, weren't he? Yeah. Because that we was right. another one you got yeah. beat at. But, um, I remember I remember that game though, first half, we were, I think we were going to have it. Yeah. And then I think second half, Kylie Lulai took or smashed Brett Hodgson, Brett Hodgson wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. that was the turning point. That the game, was the turning it? point. That was yeah. another one I was calling as well. That was it. Yeah. That was that was the point where they ended up getting, yeah. getting the upper hand. But yeah, it's it's gone now. Isn't but it? I time guess time gives you perspective. Yeah, obviously. So you look back on that, and there's a lot of sink or swim in our, in our game. Isn't mm. there? There's a lot of sink or swim. There's a lot of you'll either do it or you won't. Mm. And some players who who we've seen at at, um, at our club there, they, they've had three games, six games, ten games, two years maybe, but you know it's not quite the right fit. It's a square peg in a round hole. And when something else better comes along, you know that they'll go on and have great careers. It just won't be at at Leeds. But I know, having been around the place for 25 years now, I know the ones that it will just take time. It's not square peg round hole. It fits. It Mm. just might not be the the timing might not be now. And um, like I said, without... You know, it, I'd like to make this a chat if I can. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's the best, always, one, best ones we yeah, chat. And it, it was always going to work with you. And, and, and obviously, you've had, your, you've had your dramas, you've had your, your injuries, but that, that just mm. makes you stronger. It makes you Doesn't mentally matter. capable of dealing with a lot of stuff because, you know, as bad as things get, mm. you've been there before. It does, mate. And it's, it's that, I guess it is experience as a whole and, and like I say, time to, to see that perspective. But, um, you know, you'll have had your bouts of pain. Um, I've had my bouts of pain, especially injuries. But then there's also the fitness side of it, the yeah. conditioning side of yeah. it. And um, I think Brian Mack spoke about this before. I don't know if he spoke about it on the podcast, but um, I remember growing up, you know, when you're growing up and you, like you say, you do the round air hills. So for anyone who's listening to this, don't know Leeds or round air hills, it's it's I don't know what degree How of a hill you'd it? say it, must be, it feels like a yeah. mile and a half it's, <laughs> but I think it's about 150 metres yeah. isn't it some like I think so it's, ve- it's it's a big hill isn't it? and it's it's there's some gradient to it yeah and there's a lake and it's uneven it. and it's boggy yeah, yeah. and you uh, can do it in snow and it's yeah. freezing uh, hey and listen when I was out of youth me they'd gone yeah. you oh, won't really? know this because yeah. it was just before you came yeah. they'd gone so I said, listen, I want round the hills, it. Mm. I want them back in. And oh, you know, having the debate with the, the people who were looking after the S&C at the time, mm. I'm not sure there's that much benefit. I said, I don't care. Yeah. I know that that, that hill mm. is mental. There's, there's, is, there's, 
probably minimal physical gains, but mm. the mental gains and the bloody joy of finishing them. Oh, massive. I yeah. remember you just the anxiety and the nerves before yeah. doing it. And like you say, you're thinking, how oh, am I going to have yeah. it? We did eight last week. Is it going to yeah. be 10? Is it going to be 12? There's, there's two awful things you you look out for. And the, the worst bit is the, is the jog from the... Mm car park <laughs> yeah. and, and you're gathering job. information from people yeah. who don't want to tell you and then the last the other one that you dread is that bandstand run which makes 150 meters into 250 meters isn't it which is and it's I've, like, I've seen people literally lose their bowels mm, lose their mm. breakfast lose yeah. their dignity on that <laughs> yeah. on that hill it's yeah. a great story with marcus Bine. he won't mind me, me sharing this um I was a fast twitcher, me as a player, mm. short and sharp, very mm. explosive. So 150 meters is not, it was not my goal yeah, at all. Yeah. But me and Marky B had got sent back down because our last one of 12 was in days rather than minutes. And um, TS sent us back down. No, you two, you can do it again. And Marcus, bye. So I can't use the language because we don't want to, we don't want to bring it right down. But he said, he does not know me. I, w I will hit him I will deal with him I will take him out and I'm pulling him I'm pulling him by his shorts and saying let's just get this done yeah. and even you know the, the Danny Maguires and the Rob Burrows who were only kids at the time were saying just just do just do one more just do one more mm. TS had turned around and walked off he weren't even going to watch us yeah. well that Art Smithy weren't yeah, he yeah, yeah, yeah. do it I'm not going to watch yeah. you do it yeah, but yeah. I'm going to be Test. aware of whether you do do it yeah. or you don't so I'm dragging him by his shirt and he's like, I will fucking kill him. I will kill him. <laughs> and he would have done. I know. Yeah. Once he'd got his breath back, once he'd got his energy Man, that, back. That's how bad it is though, isn't yeah. it? If he's, if he's been drove to that. Yeah. Um, but that, that is that is a mental toughness. That is the sort of, that is a test, which I think should still be done for, for yeah. young lads. And, um, you know, the, there will be physical gain, lactic acid and all that sort of stuff, but more for, more for the mental test. And um, I just think, you know, relating it Have back to... Have you got to, your phone on? Turn, that's very not that professional. Bad. Turn that off, mill it. I'm guessing on Sky Sports, Steve. Yeah, you won't, would you? A little lovely room in Waitwood, though. Um, but yeah, I remember sort of going through that, going through that, getting the other side of it. And there's so many times you get the other side of it, you, you sort of have that fear, anxiety... You're still alive. You might have thrown up, but you, yeah. you're still alive after it. You just got to get back up, haven't you? And you got to get back up. It. Yeah, That's life. Get but, back up. And you, you look at you have that perspective, and you look at back to to when you were young, and you yeah. thought this is going to be hard. I don't want to do yeah. it, but I'm going to have to do it. And you look at young lads now, as well, and you see that that grimace or that face where yeah. they're like almost as if they're dying, yeah. like that, and, and it's sort of they can't see any sort of perspective after no. it it's just they're in that moment it's a poorly face, feeling that it? slow death yeah yeah it's a poorly face it's that Peter Case sketch where he's <laughs> where he's ringing in work and he's putting a poorly <laughs> yeah, face on yeah, because he's it. trying to get himself yeah. in the right mindset to, to look like he can't carry yeah. on and, and you're you're absolutely right there's not a lot of things that that would teach young people resilience because mm. of parents like me I suppose mm. Instead of growing up in a two up, two down, my kids grew up in a different mm. environment, but I've always been ultra conscious not to make it that easy that yeah. they don't gain those lessons. So, so that, you know, in our environment as rugby people, that's, that's the reason I was so adamant at first mm. that I want it in. Mm. And what I do want to do as well is get them to do 12 and then I'll pick three and I'll say, you can do one more mm. because I don't believe you've reached the bottom of your pool. So I would say that, 
as sportsmen, as resilient people, you've got a pool there that you can call upon it, which is a reserve one. Mm. But the really, really strong ones have got an even deeper one that if they need to go to it, they can go and and just gain that little bit of what they need from that extra one as well. And you don't know how far you can go. So, Mm. so my, my first example was when I played for Great Britain in 94. So Ellery was a coach. Mm. Sean Edwards got sent off at Wembley in 94 after about 20 minutes. And back in, in those days, I've had, I'd had different stages in my career. I started off as a sub, then I was a starter and then I finished as a sub. Mm. So, at that time, I was a starter, but I would do 25, have a bit of time off 25, but international rules in, in, in those days were different. Mm. Once you got subbed, you couldn't go back on. So you had a limited amount of interchange. You had four subs, but you had to use them very sparingly. I think it was six interchanges. Mm. Um, and that's about 94, 95. 94, right? 95. No, it must have been yeah. four interchanges. I don't even know, but I know that if he came off, you couldn't go back on. Yeah. We did have a, a bit of a ploy in the third test where they cut Carl Harrison at half time to put me back on. Really? Actually sliced him with a Blood with a razor. But by the time he'd gone back out and started running about, blood had, had dried <laughs> up and I was sat there for, for 60 minutes. But it was the opposite on my debut. And for 15 minutes near the end, when it was neck and neck, we won 8-4, um, I was blowing out my ass, And mm. I didn't think I had enough. There was a guy mm. called Dean Riddle conditioner who came to Leeds later on mm. who said we need you Barry you've got to keep going we've got no we've got nobody else you've got to keep going and I did and it proved it showed me without getting to that point so there's that that Arnie thing so Arnie when you listen to Arnie listen, talk about training he talks about them last two or three reps mm. you work eight to get to the last two yeah, yeah. And you don't get to eight and stop because your arms are full or your mm. legs are full or whatever mm. it is. Or you don't get to that last bit and go, I'm, I'm tapping out. Yeah. And you know, you dig in and you keep going and it's that second reserve pool that you that you need. That's where magic happens, isn't it? Mm. That's where you, where you get the benefit. And yeah. I guess I, there's a few examples in my life as well where you, you go through that and, you know, probably 2017 grand final was, was one for me, which um, I think I were in that, before I even got on pitch, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Um, that was a shoulder story, weren't that it? That was Did a shoulder dislocate, one. Dislocated it the week before. Yes. Yeah. And I had to I get... I sent you a text. You yeah, yeah, remember? yeah. I yeah. remember the text. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were talking a bit, actually, yeah. after that. Yeah. Because you've had some shoulder, oh, with that, oh, shoulder shoes, haven't you? 11, 11 ops, um, a replacement joint in my left. I've just had a third reconstruction on my right. Mm. Um, but but it, it's a nasty game, isn't it? And mm. I've got a lot of thoughts on where the game is going now because I'm, I'm, I'm involved in it all day every day I'm passionate rugby man but I'm also a grateful rugby man so if you don't want to play the game mm. and get injured then don't play Yeah. and I don't think we should compromise what the game is within reason as well we, you know we, we've got to be sensible we can't be yeah. back in the old days people get knocked out two or three times a game get back Getting up here all them stories about players being sick on side at pitch and going back on that's mm. clearly that's not right mm. But what I do believe is the pure essence of our game is getting back up, mm. getting back up. Don't don't give him anything. If he hits you and he hurts you, don't show mm. it because then he's won. And that essence has to remain. And if we don't aren't prepared to do that and don't want to do that as individuals, 
then don't sign the paper, mm. don't play the game. And I think we've got to find a, a better balance because there are some parts when I watch the game now and I would never say, you know, the game's soft and it's different, but there are elements in the game that are encouraged and rewarded, which is which is which is just exposing a few weak characters. Yeah, I guess I, I guess the ability or or, or, or um, instances where there's there's players that can it's sort of diving in it. You know, it's diving, diving for that's penalties. exactly what it is. It's it's sort of playing yeah. playing with the ref yeah. and, and sort of. And do you, do you know what, Steve? I'm I'm a I'm a player still at heart, mm. me. I'm a mm, player yeah. and I see it and I recognise it and I think, would I want somebody to call me out? Mm. I'll probably not. I'll think of a, I'll think of a more mm. smarter way of, of subtly exposing it. But a couple of times last year, I ended up saying, well, that's just shit. That, that mm. he's, he's played for that. Yeah, he's yeah, got yeah. that. There's nothing happened there. He can get up all, all the things well, that, that, you know, that's, but, what, that's what's needed. Cause I watch football sometimes and it, it's become so normal diving. But it makes it worse when the commentators don't even say all about it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it's, oh, it's like, oh, it's, it's happened again and stuff. Yeah. And they don't, they, like you said, they, that's an example. They, yeah. they don't even say that. Well, let and me that's tell how it you creeps this. In. Let me tell you this. So obviously most games, 90% of games, I'm on, I'm calling. And I did on an occasion last year say something um, about somebody who had took a, a, what was deemed a high shot. I don't think for a million years mm. it was. And I'd called him out and I'd said, well, I don't think there's nothing wrong with him. Mm. I don't think he's damaged enough to stay down. His team need him, his, mm. his club need him, and, and he should be going up. I then received a phone call from somebody from the RFL. They'd had a meeting that morning talking about, as you know, um, coaches, doctors, unless they flag up when a bloke's had a, an head knock, they actually get reprimanded, don't they, the coaches mm. and doctors? Mm. So I then got a phone call from from this guy from the RFL who said, we, we could do, we're not saying that. Because when we're pulling doctors and coaches, we need the players to be the indicators. And then the doctors and coaches look to see that and understand That's that right and act accordingly. And I said, look, I, I appreciate you've got a job to do, but I just don't, I, mm. I would hate to be the one that calls somebody out on an occasion when when they are badly injured, that's mm. the other side of it, and you 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 look, you look unsympathetic to, yeah. to 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 pull it mildly. So most of the time, I would try and bite my tongue until I yeah. until I see the full replay on it, and I think to myself, yeah. my instinct says, "No, that's not right." Mm. If I'm not sure, I won't say anything. I'm I'm just connecting things up here, and it's the point we're talking about there about you know plays sort of. Um, I guess it is diving to, yeah. to put it bluntly. Um, the, that's that for me, and it's something that that we learned as a team in 2017 when that was coming into that was when it was first starting to come yeah. into it. Um, and you've mentioned there the, like whether you talk about life or whether you talk about rugby league being able to get back up and and just continue and just carry on. Um, it's almost sort of a muscle, is that? And it is, I guess, it is resilience in a yeah. way. You bluntly, plainly, it is resilience, but. In 2017, I remember us as a team, this was happening to us all the time, given that the other team were getting yeah. penalties all the time. Yeah. And I remember us as a team, and, and Brian Matt will mention it, just just stick with it here. Yeah. Because don't, don't, don't let us start doing it, because yeah. when it comes to the big games, when it comes to the intense games, and, and where teams don't get penalties for this sort of stuff, and it's yeah. more intense, and people are holding down for longer and stuff, then this is when the payoff will come. Yeah. 
Because um, the shortcuts, aren't they? It's shortcut. It's a shortcut. Shortcuts. Yeah, yeah. So in big games, and I watch every game. So mm. on a Monday, I will watch the games that have not been televised, have not been live at. Mm. I'll watch two games live, obviously. I'll, I'll may, maybe get to a Sunday game. May, maybe I'll do a Saturday game or, or a Catalan game or, mm. or whatever. Uh, but I'll watch at least three games on a Monday. By yeah. the time Monday's finished, especially if the team that is not being on the TV the week before is on the following week. Mm. I've watched the game. I've done my little notes. I know the, you know, the game, not a full in-depth analysis yeah. like people who we know would, would do mm. just for my very basic um, notes for the week after. Yeah, yeah. And I've watched all that go on and I watch it. And what you don't realise is the standard of those games when people are cutting corners, cheating, mm. diving, play acting, uh, gamesmanship, whatever yeah. you call it. When it gets to the big games at the end of the year and the referees are keeping the whistle down mm. and the same play on, then those teams fall just a little Their bit. Their level's further. not high enough, is it? No. Which is, is, is it's obviously a rugby league message, that, but yeah. I guess the, the, what you've said there, shortcuts and, and sort of that ability to just get back up and carry on and do yeah. it. It's, you've um, got to do, Steve, relevant. in life, you've got to do. Mm. There's, there's, there's knockers, there's people who doubt you, there's people, going back to what I said at the beginning, one of the great joys in life is proving people wrong. Yeah. But that doesn't just happen. That's... As we talked about this week when we were chatting, it's it's working hard. Working smart and working hard can sometimes be the same thing. Mm. Um, but you can work hard without working smart, if, if that yeah, makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Setting goals, I still set goals now. Mm. And just being humble enough to take advice, take learning, teaching really seriously, or, mm. or being taught, sorry, really, really seriously. Because mm. a bloke who thinks he knows everything is just, he's either stood, stood still or going backwards. Mm. Mm. It's it's interesting, mate. It's interesting. And, and these, obviously, these podcasts, we I always end up getting on, onto this topic, I guess, of resilience yeah. and, um, and and that, that sort of mindset. I'm just thinking um, about the way that you approach the game, how you play the game. Obviously, it was resilient. You carried on. You fucking you're you're a big bloke. And this is for more for people that haven't got the rugby league background knowledge and, and understand it. Would you be able to tell from your point of view the people listening how you would approach a game, how you'd want to play it, and how I mean, obviously, I'd had a little chat there, and and, and obviously, it's it's full throttle in a way. Um, would you be able to paint a picture for for how would how you'd approach so it? Listeners who aren't rugby league fans as such, there's, I think, three different groups of players within your 13, 17-man team. Mm. There's those that finish, there's those that create, and there's the big dogs in the middle that just create a bit of chaos and, and, and do a, some of the hard work, although the game's evolved a little bit and everybody does an e a little share of everything. Mm. But the big players in the middle are, are gaining ground creating momentum for their team, stopping momentum for their for their opposition. When I started the game, it was very individual. It, it was full of battles. There were battles all mm. over the place. And um, when Brian was on, Brian was talking about his version of toughness mm. and, and how it's sticking to your task. Mm. Don't get distracted. Don't start pushing and punching at play the ball because you've got other stuff to do. It was all about that. 
back mm. in the day when he started, when I started, mm. it was all about that. And then it, and then it evolved and then it changed. Yeah. So unless you change with it, you then get left behind and you're giving penalties away and then you don't get selected. So mm. it's, it's either, uh, evolve or die. That, yeah. That's another phrase that people use in it, evolve yeah. or die. Yeah. So, so my job at the beginning was combative. So you've got my number on, so I'm going to deal with you first. Mm. And then he's a big lad. Once I've done with him, I'm going to start with, once I've done with you, I'm going to start with him. I'm going to deal with him. And then anybody else that chooses to step forward, I'll have a go at them as well. Now, it didn't really work out like that the majority of the time because you get that tangled up in, in, in what your individual battle is that you then forget your team, your team role, your team responsibility. Mm. So as you get older, you get better. As you get older, you learn to smash your body a little bit less, mm. which is something else we'll talk about. I'd say the first five, six years of my career was was learning how to use my body correctly. Yeah. Dislocating my elbow was a regular thing, breaking my knuckles, breaking my thumbs, um, forearms, just all sorts. This obviously mm. this came. Shoulders all the time, just recklessly yeah. throwing my body about. So I ended up finishing up with four hundred games for for the teams and the international teams that are represented, which which is a, a big achievement and, and I'm really, really proud of it. Played mm. with some incredible players who taught me a lot. Players at Oldham mm. taught me about the values um, that are important within rugby league and and, and, and that was all based around it, the scoreboard's irrelevant sometimes because mm. play for a team like Oldham, you're not going to win a lot of games when you're playing the levels that you're playing and, and the, the teams that you're playing against. You value winning not on the scoreboard, but in doing your job properly yeah. for your team. So then I went to Wigan that was full of winners and they all fought hard for the ball because they all wanted to score. They all wanted to shine. They wanted that winning money. They wanted success. They wanted glory, accolades. And I, and I could combined the two of those when I went to Leeds and Leeds was, was my home as a player. I would always, I've, I've used this phrase quite a lot. I was born in Oldham, but made in Leeds because yeah. Leeds taught me more about the game, more about how to play it, more about how to act as a role model, more to about, about leadership within teams. I, I came in 95 as a failed Wigan player that had got chucked out of the club, really, for, for, for different things on and off the field. And I left the club in 05, having jobs in different departments, having honed my leadership style, having mm. having understood that you don't have to stand up. Maybe, you know, maybe maybe this might ring a note for you. You don't have to stand up and give Ch Churchillian speeches. Yeah. You just have to be a bloody good example to the people around you. Sometimes that's saying it, then doing it. Mm. Sometimes that's not saying it, but doing it when people aren't around. And, and, if you find the best version of yourself and be true, honest, and and I think let everything take its natural setting, let everything run its natural course, I think people will follow you. Anyway, I had some great captains. Yestin, when I was in the mid-90s team, um, Kev early on in his career, and, and then obviously yeah. been been has been for me the best lead captain, the best summer era player, Um uh, and, and the only argument and debate is 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 with what I would 
I would say was was Andy Farrell, who who in his mm. pomp at his peak was another player that started as a second rower, developed into a six, then as a thirteen, then as a back rower, and then as a prop. And and uh, yeah, just just a great man to be around. So the learnings and the lessons are all over. Yeah, that now transition into my working life. So I've not played now for a, for a long time. I don't like saying it. It feels like five minutes, but it's more mm. like 12 or 13, 14 years. It's a long yeah, time. Yeah. But the formula that I used is in my working life. It's it's working hard, getting out of bed, yeah. throwing my feet out of bed in the morning because I'm self-employed on, a, on on the other jobs that I've got. Mm. Uh, how, do I, how do I make a difference? How do I mm. pay the bills? What, what is my... What is my route towards ultimately a, an invoice being paid? But but you don't just turn up with your invoice. You've mm. got to you got to pay that way first. Yeah, and I, I'm just interested in because people always ask me for you know how you get ready for games. And I feel like for, for my preparation for games has changed. You know, when you're younger, it's a lot more sort of feeling the nerves and and sort of for me, I guess I listen to a Johnny Wilkinson podcast. Um, and he talks a lot about um, how, and I, and I can relate in the way that that he was saying before games, it'd be like looking around the change rooms, and people might be relaxed, and people might um, not have you know done something properly in training or whatever. And he'd be thinking, do these know that this is a really important game? Yeah. This like for Johnny Wilkinson, he was saying it's like life and death, you know that that sort of thing, and he'd be working himself up so much. He's obviously like a kicker, but obsessive with his kicking and stuff. So much stuff that he was saying in this podcast, I was like, I related to because when I can remember as an 18, 19 year old, I wanted to do that well and sort of focus on the outcome so much like yeah. that I could come leaving the pitch knowing that I'd done everything, ticked every box um, and I guess put everything out there really. Like if I come off a pitch not thinking that, that I'd done everything I could, I'd be thinking, fucking yeah. I, I, I remember I'd, you being be like that. I do. struggling for a I week. I remember you being like that, and mm. I remember the despair on your face if yeah. you hadn't had a nine or a ten out of ten. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you just just cast your mind back. You were an under 18s player that we pushed up to under twenties. Mm. Played your half back because we, um, myself and Chris Plumey, were looking at you as a as a as an athlete or a rugby league player, thinking which bits of his game. Can we develop? Don't worry about whether we win or lose. Mm. If I if I look back on my time as an other youth, I'm really comfortable with the fact that I weren't worried about winning and losing. I was mm. worried about the people and what they needed. What what would charge them to the to the to the relevant place? So I used to look at rugby league players, and I suppose as a management tool, you look at people in your organisation, and I would say everybody needs the electricity. Everybody needs the juice that charges the phone. Yeah. But in reality, we've all got different phones. We've got iPhones, we've got mm. Samsung, we've got other ones. I can't who think of all the oh, Who are we? Who are we? <laughs> you've, got li- you've got lots of Nokias going back in the day. You've got lots of different yeah, mobile yeah. phones that will all need a different charger. Mm. So all you've got to do is work out who needs what. And I remember mm. looking at you thinking, you're that focused on the 80 minutes with a little bit of support, with a little bit of advice, and it, it's a realisation that you needed to come to yourself. It's about the bits in between the games. They're the most important thing, and that's the Johnny Wilkinson message there. Yeah, yeah. His, his, his 
I suppose, checklist of what he would do during the week would all come down to controlling what he can control. Mm. It's no good worrying about the weather. It's no good worrying about whether yeah. George Williams is playing at six for Wigan or, mm. or he's playing at seven or he's on the left or he's on the right. You do what makes you mentally physically and more importantly emotionally set mm. for that game I think that's you know that, that's a big message that to, to actually focus on what you can control and then to sort of allow the other stuff to fucking to happen itself Johnny Wilkinson was saying that he was you know he's, he spoke a lot about anxiety and stuff he, he was worrying about stuff that he couldn't control and he was sort of working his, 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 he his was, way he's up. looking around the changing room saying did yeah. he's not know it's a big game yeah yeah, yeah. he, he can't control like, them there's, there's not much he can do no. in terms of and that. everybody prepares for things in different way and mm. I still use it in, in my business life now and probably in my Sky Sports stuff there. I don't get too worked up. Mm. What I do is I think, right, I've done my research. Mm. Am I prepared for the game? Am I prepared for the meeting? You know, simple stuff. Have I got my pen? Have I got my paper? Have I got the right amount of background information on this company, this client, this team? Yeah. Well, let everything else run its core because yeah. I'm 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 mentally, physically, and emotionally in the right place, and I'm men mentally, physically, and emotionally set. So, would you have had that understanding when you were younger? No. You know, what, no, I was a lunatic, you? Yeah. punching people and slapping people, and yeah, you know, the first. Would you get yourself worked up before yes, the game? Yes, yeah. because I, I'm looking at I'm looking at the the guy in the number ten, thinking yeah. I'm going to knock you out, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to knock you out. And I'm, I'm going to do it in a way that the ref don't see it, but everyone else sees it. Because yeah. I want everyone else to know that I've knocked you out. Yeah. So it's, it's just, it's just again, it's just learning, isn't it? Mm. Learning what works, learning how you how you work. As I got, it's true what they say. It might be different for your position, Stevie, but in my position, it was, they used to say to me, and I, I, bearing in mind, I were in the first team at 19, me. Mm. Knocking hell out of blokes and getting... At prop, that's quite yeah. a young young age, yeah. Yeah, in the second division, winning some, losing some, but turning up as many times as I could. Um, when I got to 28, I was in my prime then, and they mm. said to me at 21, you're only learning now, you only get to the to the peak of your power at 28. And at 28, I'm a, I'm a Great Britain player, I'm a, I'm a regular player in the big games, the semis, the finals, performing eight, nine, out of 10, as many weeks as, as I can, uh, having an occasional dip, as, as you would, having an occasional yeah. break as well, mm. now and then, maybe mm. two matches, three matches, mm. four matches, but doing everything that I could at, at, at the best level between 28 and 32, that's it. I was, I was as good as I could be. Yeah. The rest of it was just a, a load of lessons. Yeah. It's interesting, mate. It, it's interesting to because to, I know you said that the, the game's well, the game's completely different in it to, to what yeah. it was. Did you feel that that different sort of mentality that you had, you know, from the start, say like nineteen when you were playing, compared to the to, to the back end of of of, of your your stint? The, the game was different, Steve. But the one thing that that didn't change and still doesn't change now, I always want to give a good account of myself, mm. and. There were times at the beginning of my career where I played in a game, let's say it was for Oldham at Walsh Sheddings, which is which was our home ground, and I played it like it was the last game of rugby league I was mm. ever going to play. Mm. I played it like it was a final because it meant so much yeah. for me to wear number 10 for Oldham playing against Lee 
yeah, yeah, yeah. against players like Timmy Street and Mark Shields, who, who I'd who I'd watched when I was younger. So so it meant so much. But once you've got hundred games under your belt, two hundred games under your belt, you've got to change. You've got to mm. refocus. You've got to set different goals, different targets, and the more performance based targets, and it's it's carries, it's meters, it's offloads, it's mm. effective tackles, it's marker tackles. You you again coming back down to the roundy hills thing. Mm. Break it down to individual, really small, achievable things that you can focus on. So in my business life, in my working life, looking at a client, looking at the what what do they need, what do they want, how can I support that, how how, how easy can I make that initial meeting so that I am putting a case forward to why they want to do business with mm. me. It's not just... I want to sit down and have a coffee with Barry McDermott because I used to watch Leeds in the 90s. Mm. I want them to go away and think, well, actually, I'd not thought of it. No, like, maybe he can add, add value to what I'm doing. What does it look like for you? Now? Um, I know we spoke a little bit earlier about you know the day-to-day and, and like the, the jobs that you do. What does it look like for you with, with challenges for, for Sky? and you know Because for people listening, obviously, you're on, you're on Sky television. Um well, when the season's on, at least two or three times a week. It's, yeah. uh, what does that look like for you? How, how do you find it? I know you said, you mentioned there that you, when you're prepared, you, you find it all right. But yeah. What does it look like in, in terms of, of challenging you? Um, how have you learned? You learn on the job. And I remember you doing all sorts of stuff when you were playing. Yeah. But the the, the sort of jumps in learning in, in terms of being a Sky presenter. Because yeah. I, I, I've watched, obviously, from, from when you started, and you completely, I think you've you've got even better and better now. As, you have to you know, say this. I've got to say it now, aren't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you've got better on it in the way that you... It's just, you're, mate, it's just then 10,000 hours, isn't it? Yeah. You go back down to Practice that. Practice on the job, I guess. Yeah, you go back down to that. So you need thick skin. You need to... And I've always been blessed with a complete lack of a fear of failure. Mm. I don't care how many times I get it wrong. Mm. Now I'm not saying I don't feel bad. Sometimes I do feel bad. Sometimes I would get in my car in the early days of some of the talks I was doing, some of the after dinner speeches I were doing, some of the TV stuff, radio stuff, mm. and I'd think it's way off my best there. And these mm. are the that was the reason I didn't do well, and that was the reason I didn't do well. But it's just a ten thousand hour. You just got to grit your teeth, bite down, and just keep knocking them out, mm. knocking the games out, knocking the training sessions out doing extra training sessions, doing extra learning, um, stuff that you would do on a, on a regular basis down at Kirk, still looking mm-hmm. at last week's game, looking at your opposition, analysing it. It's only the same. Now, I, I don't, I find it very awkward to listen to myself. Yeah, I was going to say. I find you, it horrendous yeah, to watch yeah, yeah. myself. I do. I do, find do, it horrendous. Do you do that as a bit of a practice to, to like get better or do you just try and avoid it? I find that I, I do it. And I try and take it when I'm doing it, I try to like take learnings for, for I would say, but it's painful to listen back or yeah. to watch back for an hour, an hour and a half. It is, but it, it's sometimes part of the process. You can't listen to it too much. You can't do too much. You can't overanalyze yourself. Otherwise you'd critique yourself to death. Yeah. Yeah. So I know, uh, you know, me and O'Connor have known each other. How old am I now? 47, 32 years. Mm. More often than not, on the way home, he'll ring me, I'll ring him, and I'll go, what did you think of the game? What did you think of that? Or he'd say, bloody hell, you got that wrong. And I'd say, 
We used to start pronouncing your words properly. So we, yeah, we critique yeah. and That's analyze each other. Way. We critique yeah. and analyze each other because we're the only people that can talk mm. like we can. Um, I will tell you a quick story. And it, it, it's a, so, so people say, have you, had, have you ever had any gaffes? I've had two gaffes. One was an inappropriate statement about Harry Jepson, who I love to bits and were great mates mm. with. And I, and I, I made a, a statement which was lovely, heartfelt, sincere, and then I put something on the end of it, which was a, a mutual joke that we had that right. we shared me and Harry, and I shouldn't have said it on the TV, and I don't want to say it again because mm. it makes me cringe. But the biggest gaffe I ever did was Wigan were playing Catalan on a Friday night. It was freezing. We were all wrapped up, all of us with about six, seven different layers of long johns and thermals yeah. and all sorts. So my brain was frozen. <laughs> That's my excuse. And just after half time. We have iPads with the stats, and I'd looked at, I'd looked at the amount of defence that Catalan were doing. I'd looked at the mistakes that they'd made. So they'd mm. made so many mistakes. So they'd done more defence. You know, like I know, mm. in an average game, total defence in an average game, it's about three hundred and fifty tackles. Yeah, yeah. Catalan just after half time had done nearly three hundred and forty tackles. <sighs> they dropped the ball. They'd done loads of tackles. So they just looked gassed. Mm. So I'd looked at that figure, turned to my right. I was just checking something, looked at my team sheet, then picked up the hat. So you have to put your hand up. You have to raise your hand so that Eddie would look and, and give you the nod. So then as I've turned round, Eddie's give me the nod, asked me the question that I hadn't heard, but I then had to start talking. I said, well, you know, Catalan are really gassed here. There's good reason. I've had a look at the stats. I picked yeah. the iPad up. And I said, the reason that Catalan Dragons look so tired is they've done 1,117 tackles. <laughs> and then my face dropped. Yeah. I pulled my headphones off, put them on the ground and just put my head in my hands because what I'd done, O'Connor picked it up and started looking at metres, started looking oh. at metres made. And so I, of meters. course, have just looked at this number in front of me and he started laughing. <laughs> Steve-O, who was working at the time, he's laughing. And Eddie tackle, is it? looking at me going, what the hell have you just... It's a lot of tackles. Under that. his breath. It's like yeah. a month's worth of tackles. So how, how did they cover that up then? Or did they just bring they it just out? Gl they just gl gloss over it because that's one of the things, if you make a, if you make a small mistake, don't pull each other up because mm. chances are people haven't picked it yeah, up anyway. Yeah, yeah. The, the ones that do pick it up are then watching the game. But that, that was... A, a, I couldn't look at my phone. I must have had a dozen text messages off people. Twitter, I do a little bit of the social media stuff. I've learned to make friends with social media. Yeah. That was, you know, I, I, it was horrendous. <laughs> that 48 hours after was absolutely horrendous. <laughs> I picked yeah. up the paper, which I don't buy the rugby papers because I think they're old, old news most of the yeah. time. You, you can get what you want off the internet, but mm -hmm. I picked up the papers at the petrol station and, and there were three or four letters about it and I was thinking... Oh. Note to self, yeah, yeah do yeah, not yeah. start talking before I've engaged my brain because it's quite a skill to oh. observe, analyze, and speak. You're on the all go at the same you? time, you're on the go all mm. the time with that, yeah. Um, what, what was it like transitioning? I know you started that like a little bit later on after you, you finished playing. What was it like transitioning in, from playing rugby league, such a sort of gladiatorial sport? We've we spoke a lot about it, the you know. We could speak in depth about it, but it's, 
it's sort of a job that gives you a, a week-to-week goal and, and sort of that training in the week. It's that tough. striving, yeah, that tough. sort of. It's tough and it's it's something I would always make myself available for any player that's coming out of it. I would always and still always do, whether it's a text or a, or a DM or whatever. Mm. You know, you know where I am if you need me. Um because I think it's important that people have somebody to look at. There were a couple of people that helped me early on, Terry Flanagan in Oldham, Mark Flanagan's mm. dad, incredible businessman, incredible human being who, who selflessly gives up a lot of his time, but also, you know, makes, makes what he does look really, really easy. Uh, and Gibbo, as we know, Chris yeah. Gibson, yeah. who um, I used to see on a, on a, probably two or three times a week, not, 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 re- not daily basis, but, but he would help me um, process what was going on at the right time. So living in Oldham and working in Leeds, there'd be an mm. hour in my car every day. That would be my preparation in the morning and my processing on the way home. Yeah. So who do I need to ring back? What do I need to chase up or, or on the way in? What do I need to set up? And, Am I meeting Stevie Ward at mm. half 12 or 12? Is mm. he going to be late like he always is? <laughs> well, I'm going to get there early just yeah. to get him, keep him on his yeah, toes, yeah. all that kind of stuff. I was setting up, mate. I was setting yeah, up. My arse you were. So, <laughs> so Gibbo was really good. Flan was really good um, for me. So you sort of try and pass those things on. Mm. Uh, in the day-to-day life and environment of a rugby league team, you've only got a short, limited time to, mm. to fix things up. You play on Friday, you you analyse it Saturday. By Monday, you're trying to fix it up. By Tuesday, you're getting ready for the next game. Mm-hmm. And then Wednesday, Thursday, depending on what you're doing, it's all about the following week. Yeah. So you, you deal with it, get rid of it, deal with it, get rid of it, and you improve. You're on this continuous journey of improvement. In day-to-day life, nobody's checking up on you. Mm-hmm. You've got your own standards, but nobody's checking up on you really. It's mm-hmm. not a daily thing. It's not a... Do you, do you miss do you miss that sort of because even more so now as an elite athlete or professional rugby player you know your skin folds are done your weight's done you know your, your fitness targets are, are measured all the time um, you know and, and your performance on the field obviously is always measured do you miss that sort of accountability in, in that that sense or is it because you're self-employed and you know, apart from Sky and stuff you need to do it anyway that's a good question that because I, I, I wonder, I, yeah, wonder. I miss playing Stevie, yeah. but I'm also, this is Gibbo as, as well, Chris Gibson. Mm. Don't look back. Mm. Don't wish you were back there. Mm. I loved my time as a player. If I could play at 47 now, I would. Mm. I would love to play. The reality is my body is like a bag of broken biscuits at the minute. <laughs> I'm just recovering from this shoulder thing. I've another four months before mm. I'm going to look anything like but I live my life in 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 a continuous rerun of of Rocky Four. Mm. That's all I'm doing, day in day out. Mm. I'm in the snow. I'm in Russia. I'm getting re- ready to fight Ivan Dragoff, and that that Ivan Dragoff might be a ten k, it might be an half marathon, it might be a Everest base camp or a Kilimanjaro, or it might be something really basic, mm. like a you know a family function or an out those exciting things. This is the advice I would pass on to rugby league players when I would say to them, as a, as a rugby league player, you're probably getting 50 spikes to your year, mm. 30-odd games, different nights out. My best nights out 
I couldn't ever repeat on a public platform, mm. but would always be after games. They're mm. my best nights, best experiences. Um, I've had some cracking ones since I've finished, and I now have the mindset that the best experience of my life is in the future. Mm. I've had some brilliant ones in the past, but if the first 34 years, 35 years of my life are the highlight, yeah. when, then what a waste of time yeah. the next you period of my life is. Of course you do. Yeah. Yeah. Look forward. I've got, some, I've got some great things to look forward to coming up. Um, but you don't want to ever be one of those that's looking back. So the difficulty is when those 40, 50 spikes have gone and you've got nothing, you've just got mm. birthday, wedding, christening, you know, dare I say it, funerals and stuff like that, reunions, get-togethers, all them. You might you might be swapping 40, 50 for 10. Yeah. So you've got to be your you own schedule that. writer. Yeah. So we would get a schedule either written down or in your email or, in, or, or sent through to your, to your laptop mm. or, or your phone or whatever, and you know what you're doing. Well, you have to do that, which is why I'm so mm. planned now. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. know which runs I'm doing for Jane Tomlinson. Yeah. I know which walks I've got in. We've got quite a bit of stuff go, stuff com, coming up with our little mate there and that's continually changing. Mm. Uh, I did have some stuff with the Steve Prescott Foundation, not quite as much now because of things that are coming up, but I've still got some things that I'm committed to. You know, important things, I, I'm, I'm fundamentally the same bloke being a man of my word. If I say I'm going to do it to the detriment yeah. of, of my own sanity sometimes yeah, because... Yeah. I look at what I'm doing and I think I'm never going to fit all that in the same day. But you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You bite down, you get back best up. Days, aren't they? Brilliant, brilliant. And, I, and yeah. I've got a really full life. Mm. Um, a, a good mate of mine, Tommy Smales, I don't know whether you come across Tommy. Another, another bloke who I, who I used uh, at the back end of my career when I snapped my PCL. Um, yeah. uh, he was getting me right, but he became more of a... He, he, he enriched my soul as well. Very religious man, found God, uh, founded Traveller Saints, which in in there anymore, which became Featherstone Lions. Oh, right. um, uh, he was a big rugby man, captain coached England or Great Britain, I can't quite recall now, but but had a, had a wonderful career as a, as a player and a coach and just enjoyed individual coaching, sprint coaching, and he was a masseur. And I'm sure he got his fingers replaced by steel rods because when he put them in and, and dug down and trying to do all that soft tissue stuff and those pressure points, yeah, the days I was crawling off the ceiling, I yeah, can't yeah, tell yeah. you about, but Tommy used to say, and it makes more sense to me now than it, than it ever has done ever, at any point in my life, use it or lose it, Barry. So when you get to the mm. other side of your career, you've still got that voice on your shoulder that says, mm. come on, fatty, get training yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop eating shit. Even when it's telling you that you don't want to do yeah. it. Yeah. Even when your body's going, ah, oh, my shoulder's sore, my mm. back's sore, my hammies are tight. You've got that little voice that you've spent an entire phase of your life mm. getting the volume cranked right up to say, move it, come on, mm. get back up. So mm. my my Tommy Smells voice in my mind now is the is the bloke on my shoulder saying, come on, Barry, use it or lose it. So that's the reason like I get it. all these things out. I've got better at saying no, but I'm not as good as I should be. I still end up putting me myself under enormous amounts of pressure because I go, yeah, of course mm. I will. I'll turn up. This is, a, I mean, you just mentioned Tommy there and I'm just thinking about him talking about God and stuff. You raise a Catholic. Yeah. 
what was you know what's the story from being raised a Catholic? Is it something that you've kept up with, or is it something that you've got a different understanding of? Uh, I'm I'm a more mature man now. So from naught to sixteen, I went. I stopped going at sixteen, seventeen because I discovered uh, drink. Mm. Uh, I discovered women, and I discovered other uses of my time mm. on a weekend. But then when I was a father, I'd had a bit of a, a, a run-in with, with the law over a couple of years, got, got myself in, in in drastic trouble, and I felt like my moral compass was off. Is that when you were playing that, or is that...? Yes. Yeah, yeah. so I just joined Leeds, went on a night out, got into a bit of bother. I was actually the first person to get CS cast in Great Britain, which is another one oh, that wow. people, people high-five me about. That's going um, to your intro then, for podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, that was a humbling point in my life, humiliating for me, you know, embarrassing for my family. I felt like I could let everybody down. But again, you get back up and you work. What is important? What are the individual things I need to do to get myself out of this situation? Which which actually now forms my goals and the things that I do. That's like make, a regular thing It now. is, it yeah. is. It's my little, so, so it all ties in with, with God, higher power, mm. um, being a good person, I believe somewhere there is there is something looking after what mm. happens. I don't think it's chance. The logical side of my brain says, is there a God? I don't know. That's a big leap to take. Mm. So that's why they call it faith. Mm. Um, the illogical side of me says, don't think about it too hard. Just live mm. your life in a really good way. Mm. So I do go to church, not not regular. I'm talking a couple of times a year if I feel like I need it. Yeah, my grandma was very important to me. Um, around about the anniversary of her her death or maybe her, her birthday, we, we all might go as a family. We go um, every year at, at Christmas Eve, even though it gets even though it gets harder because there's lots of things going on on Christmas Eve. So, mm. but but I'm now at the point where I don't believe that I need to go and sit in a building to live mm. a good life. Mm. Um, my priest was my grandma's priest, married my mum and dad, christened my kids, married me, mm. buried my grandma. And he was a really close family friend who, who died a couple of years back, mm. Father Dolan. So I don't feel the same pull now because mm. it's it's a different priest. Uh, but that doesn't mean I don't live the life that I think people like my grandma and Father Dolan and, and all those people who care about what I do and who I do it with. I don't... I, I still live the life that they would want me to to live. So mm. if there is an afterlife, if there is people up there in the sky watching what they're doing, I think in the main, 98% of the time, they'd be all right with what I'm yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah. The rest of it, yeah, that's... L look yourself in the mirror yeah, at the end that's of the all right. That's yeah. all right. Everybody needs a little black mark every now and then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then you learn from them yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, Put a message out. I don't know if you see it on Instagram. Yeah, go on. See if there's any questions that have come in. Yeah. We only give people an hour like. So there's a question here from Josh Halliday. Um Ask him something around his aggression on the pitch or what mindset he put himself in before playing because he ran like a madman but was calm as anything off the pitch. Is that your mate, Josh? Josh, you remember yeah, Josh? Yeah, I love Josh, you? I do. Remember him snapping his ACL in, he in did, the scholarship. Yeah. So. He did. So yeah, um, I used to look at it and again, this is an individual thing, mm. but I, but I, but I also there's a there's a there's an illogical part of my brain, an illogical part yeah. of my brain. They're always fighting, yeah. and I think it comes down to 
the emotional half of your brain versus the, the bit that thinks things through, which has expanded as I've got older. Mm. As a young man, I didn't give a shit. I'd run through a brick wall and I wasn't bothered. Yeah. I'm just going to run over the top of you. As I got a little bit older and I got a few second prizes in that exchange, mm. I used to think, right, it's physics. You would know the mathematical equation. It's speed times mass equals velocity. Is that right? My, my mind doesn't work well, in, in maths or science. It's I thought English you had a degree. I've got A-levels. A-levels in a degree in what bloody... A-levels in PE. Origami. Or <laughs> English language and uh, English literature. Yeah, no That's maths. how my mind works. No, no maths. No sort of logical common sense so as you'll see literal, when I'm playing you're a literal yeah. thinker yeah, oh, yeah. I'm a lateral thinker but All right. sometimes my lateral brain needs a hook and whether mm. that's the right equation or what that was the one I used to say to me I used to think doesn't matter how big they are doesn't mm. matter how big I am I just have to run fast enough to create enough force and enough velocity to get through the other side and like I say I come out mm. on a few on a few times on the wrong side there was a guy called Dale Fritz Graham Murray was the coach mm. and Graham Murray come up to me at the back of the game before the game he said listen Barry he said Dale Fritz I had him at Illawarra Steelers mm. don't run into him he's got an incredible tackle technique he'll pick you up and dump you on your head before you know it so I went okay Muzzer so of yeah. course I'm running at him as hard as I can yeah. first time he picked me up dumped me on my head I thought that didn't go according to plan <laughs> <laughs> second time he picked me up dumped me on my yeah. head and I'm thinking Barry Stop being so soft and run harder. You need to run faster. <laughs> and at half time, Muzzer's pulling me to one side saying, did you not listen to yeah. what I said before yeah. the game? And I said, I did, Muzz, but you Didn't pride. believe it. I think sometimes that sort of, and I, I guess you could class it as sort of delusional thinking, innit? Yeah. A lot of it is 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 delusional thinking in, in that way. And I, I know that... Perception is reality. It, That's another way of looking exactly, at it. Exactly, yeah. You think it... It yeah. is real. That's it, yeah. Until you get dumped on your head. Until you get dumped on yeah. your head by a bloke four stone lighter than you. Yeah, but it's it's like, I wonder, you wonder where that comes from. You wonder whether it's coming from one in that much that you, you think it into into rally or whatever. Yeah. And I remember games as a young lad and sometimes as, as in the first team, a bit harder to come by, but I'd sort of, you're talking about visualisation here yeah. and that's a, a, a example that you've just mentioned that I visualise scoring tries. Yeah. And visualise, you know, it might be a chip over the top when you're younger and then stepping past fullback and then going yeah. and f jumping over the line. I'd score the tries like in that weekend after. I'm yeah. like, Phew. you know, so powerful, you do it. Tool you, it is your brain. It is, mate. It is. Something I, it's something I honed in on as I was older. Mm. So we talked about controlling the controllables. I very much honed my routine on a match day. I also needed to learn to be flexible with it as well. So mm. it wasn't as rigid Every single time, but when I could get up on a ma on a match day morning early, when I had kids, it were a lot easier. Get up, have some breakfast, four slices of bread, about ten eggs. To be fair, <laughs> scrambled egg, uh, and it, and it's funny now when I look back. Everybody'd kiss the egg. The dog I had at the time would would kiss the egg. It'd go in the scrambled eggs. That'd be a little good luck thing. That would more for. For for my Mrs. Jenny than me, I think. I think she thought that was her bit. Yeah. And then I'd have a, a very light lunch, some fruit, if if not a, an am salad sandwich or something like that. And then I like to be light in 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 the game. I, I didn't want a full belly, mm. so I'd, I had the anxiety of the drive. So I'd get there early. I'd mm. meet Tommy. Tommy'd give me a bit of a a, a massage. 
I'd then jump in the bath. I'd then get me strapping on. And this the was bath probably... before a game. Mate, this was probably before most people arrived. The only the only person that was as early as me was 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 Big Nose, Rob Burrow. <laughs> yeah. He was the only in one that kit. could compete with me. Four now, did he early. keep that going? Yeah, Were he always dead mate, early? Yeah. Every time I turn up... Dead, dead, dead <laughs> yeah. agitated. Red Bull, Red Bull in his... Yeah. Two Red Bulls in his hand and he'd have had a coffee two hours before it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you'd, you'd turn up... I'd turn up to a game... Like, and I always thought I'd get there about 15 minutes before yeah. Lombardi time but he's already there no you can't beat him I think, unfortunately I think I give him that but yeah. uh, bless him he's, he's got a big journey in front of him and we're right behind him so yeah. so yeah we'll be there we'll be yeah. there for him without doubt yeah yeah, yeah. it's um, obviously that news was like um, I, I don't know I'm not sure you can get many bigger shocks no do you know, do you know what I mean and it's for two nights I was sobbing yeah, like I'd, I was I'd, I was for a week and I, I couldn't tell my kids who know Rob mm. and know Rob as a as a family friend who would you know if I asked him do anything come watching mm. um, come presenting trophies come watching kids and all that so mm. the the sequence of the last month I, I can I can rehearse and say it and I, and I can say it without emotion um, and it, it's probably not fair to say it on this platform, but having spoke to him before, you know, the, the news wasn't, wasn't what he got eventually. So when he got the bad news, he told close people and, and you know, there were a handful of us that, that knew before mm. it all came out. And you just think to yourself, how is this right? So you, your question about God is a good one because at times like that, you think, well, what, what are you playing at? If you're in yeah. charge, what are you playing at? Because, mm. He's a man who has, nobody has a bad word to say about no. him. There's quite a few people, you know, I might be in that category myself, who've made mistakes, got black marks against the, mm. um, the name, but but Rob Burrow isn't one of them. No. And, uh, no. You know, it's been great, and it's been great to see everybody get behind him. It's been great to see how much support and love and generosity he's got. Those are the three words that spring to my mind, but mm. yeah, he's, he's got a tough road ahead, mm. but... We'll all be there for him. We'll all get behind him, and I know that you lads will do your mm. bit on the field, and Definitely, yeah. and everything you do will be, you know, to to show support for him. Yeah. Um, it's, well, it's 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 one that I, I I found out that week. I think it was the Monday or the Tuesday. Yeah. Um, and then I'd seen him. I spent two hours, two and a half hours with him yeah. at Christmas dinner. I was lucky enough to sit next to him. Yeah. But we, you know, the way that we communicate is yeah. through Still laughter lad, isn't it? yeah exactly through Still joking yeah. the office quotes yeah. extras quotes all that sort of stuff I don't know who's the bigger Ricky Gervais fan you or him mate I don't know we'd be we'd, yeah. be, we'd be at top we'd definitely you haven't be tweeted him though have you what the, tweeted Ricky Gervais yeah well it, Rob's tweeted him before he's and tweeted him about 10 times he's a <laughs> <Yeah>. stalker isn't he <laughs> I think he's got. I think. I think Did he, he get a reply. I think he got made a, his day. Yeah, <laughs> but I think he he's hammered a him. Nerd. He hammered him. Yeah. He tweeted. He tweeted him like, "Oh, stop going." I think it was stop yeah. going on about God or something. Yeah. And Ricky Gervais did something like this <laughs> smarmy <laughs> comment back, yeah. and Rob's like, "Oh, I got a reply. I got a reply." <laughs> but I mean, that's what ten-year-olds do. <laughs> and then I think he's replied to him like joking and having a laugh with him as well. Um, but yeah, mate. That to be fair, that's something I've said. It'd be it'd be unreal to get get mm. them meeting each other mm. do you know what I mean if yeah, we could was, do something yeah. um, so I'm, I'm on with that I'm trying yeah. I'm trying to get it done um, I'm going to tweet mate I'll, I'll have to hammer him to, <laughs> to get a reply I'll have to hammer him but mate that, that'd be awesome that and um, you know 
for me going into this captaincy now and going into this year um, it sort of happened at this, the same time I, I got told um, that I wouldn't be captain this year yeah and then who told you? Um, Agar which yeah. Agar told me yeah. what did you think when he told you? well I just it's one of them like um, I've had it before and I sort of last year I was going to be captain um, but my knee didn't, didn't come good enough as early enough and yeah. Marin had took over it um, so it was one of them sort of like I was just biding my time really yeah and then um, so without putting words in your mouth it was something you were ready for yeah which is the not best. necessarily expecting but, mm. but in a position so tr- tracking your career because we'll deal with career as well as development as a human being, mm. you were always going to step into those shoes. And mm. and but a lot of comparisons with with number one himself, Sir Kev, because mm. Kev, as a 12 or 13-year-old, I met him, understood what everybody saw in him, but, but knew that as much talent and ability as he had, he would always work hard mm. and I've seen as you will have seen and you'll see it'll happen long after we're gone kids who you think at 12 or 13 are going to make it rarely are the ones that are they the ones that push through mm. Kev was one of those you you were one of those Rob himself Rob Burrow mm. Magsy they yeah, were yeah. they were two or three people that pushed through but with that it, it, people think because you get it promised you early it's just inevitable that you're going to get it but there's there's all process journey Oh, adversity man. it's everything in between because you've got to deal with that pressure you've got to you've got to react in mm. in the right way and you've got to handle it you've got to know how to harness mm. it and use it as a motivator not something that's a big black, black cloud behind you that that literally is and it's, it's sort of, that is the start of it you obviously earmarked to be one of those players like say Kev or Magsy or Rob or myself you know that is literally the, the start and I think some people think when they're younger that that's that's the end, you know what I mean? Or that's the middle part to, to what is, is guaranteed to him. Yeah. But I think that is the mentality we've spoke about in this conversation as well is, is to know that the, yeah. there's going to be times where you, you, you get up, you have to get back up and yeah. you have to continuously train. You have to continuously sort of keep that level head. Or yeah. keep and that. it's knowing how to deal with moments of doubt. Mm. So, you might listen to me and people might listen and go, he's got it all sorted, is that fella? Well, I am. Mm. I get moments mm. of doubt. I get shit days. I get, you know, there's times when I get back in my car and I've I've done a call on a game and I think, oh, I worked at my best there and mm. I got that wrong. And you've just got to deal with it. And it's, 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 it's I think, not dwelling too much yeah. on the things that, that are trying to pull you down. Mm. That's the That's the key. I really feel sorry for the people that that have mental issues. I really feel sorry for those people that can't shrug it off, yeah, that yeah. can't get out of that ditch. I, I yeah. feel for them. I struggle sometimes to find empathy with them, but I've always got sympathy for them. Mm-hmm. And it, it is it's a difficult it's a difficult thing to deal with when you're not the person that's involved in it. And, a, a good mate of mine and and, the, and everything that sprouted off Tez Newton's yeah. say mental health mental illness everything that sprouted off Tez, Tez Newton's uh, suicide has been positive 
I just wish it weren't my mate that, that sparked it all off. And mm. as you do, you look back and I think, should I have done more? Should I have been there for him more? Tez O'Connor were there for him a lot more than I was. Uh, Brian Carney was there for a, for, for a lot more th um, than I was. But you get wrapped up in your own stuff. You, you're doing your own thing. Yeah. Me, me, my network, my yeah. my little unit there, sometimes that consumes me. Mm. Sometimes that means I haven't got time mm. to, to to do the things. I'm on the ex-players committee and, I, and, I'm, and I'm always organising reunions. I'm always yeah. trying to keep people... Uh, in touch so even them whatsapp groups are horrendous aren't they so, some of the stuff you get sent on that oh, would get you in a lot of trouble but yeah. the basis of it is about keeping people together pe yeah. keeping people connected because when you come out of the system and you're not part of a team it's important that you look at it now and you view it as joining an even bigger team mm -hmm. which is that ex-players group that, that players group where you can pick up the phone and you can say yeah. You know, you can say to somebody within the business world, we have, we have a we have a commonality. We used to play. We used yeah. to, you know, we've yeah. we, we we might not shared the same field, but we've shared the same scars. We've we've trod the same path. So so hopefully, mm. there's common ground for you to work on there. But when players leave the game and struggle, I sometimes think it's a combination of things. It's not being ready for it. Mm. We talk very much about the transition, like it was a started finished playing on Friday and started work on Monday. Mm. I always had two or three jobs because I always yeah. grew up in that part-time mentality of you're a part-time rugby player and what do you do with the rest of your week? Mm. When I became a full-time rugby league player, I still wanted to put eight, ten hours working. And then when, as I, as I left the game, it was all about being a full-time athlete and really sharpening your body, really getting the, the, the small, minute, details of diet, nutrition, mm. sleep, hydration, all those yeah. other things in, in the right order. You, you you look at those, but I still found time for those other things that that kept me sane and got me away from the game and stopped me dwelling. Because even mm. though you, you, you look at the mistakes you make, it's important not to dwell on them. Yeah, yeah. Put them to one side. And sure. some things you can deal with in time and you come back to it. Mm get yourself in a better frame of mind, other things you, you need to deal with there yeah. and then. I think it's, yeah, I think we're touching on some 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 stuff that's 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 really sort of, will be interesting for people to listen to. Um, I'd be interested, Baz, for, for your perspective or your perception on um, how you feel that, you, you mentioned, you know, um, the stuff with Tez Newton and for people that don't know, Tez, um, Tez Newton took his own life, you know, I had a, Played for Wigan, Great Britain, Leeds, and a massively successful Bradford, career. Didn't Great Bradford, Bradford, um, incredible player. That's nine I played with. Yeah, and I many people with. say that as yeah. well. Um, and he was, I think, he'd finished playing just before before I obviously started playing yeah. stuff. Um, but you mentioned there, like the you know, wishing that you know people get wrapped up in their own stuff, and um, you've got your own lives, which is completely true. That that happens, and and I always think that the same thing like you want to, to lend an ear to people but sometimes you're so fixated in your own stuff um, I'm just thinking about the the sort of the community you've got there so you've got the ex-players community and, and those people that you speak to day to day life do you think that you know if you imagine you're flashing back to to around the time when um, Tez had had, 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 um, had left us do you think that the sort of 
the community that you've got now compared to, to, to back then is a lot more adept at talking about this sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, we're better. Better at it. We're better at my age and the, and the ones beyond as well, the, mm. the lads in their 50s and 60s. So I'm 47 now, me. Um, and and I, 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 you know, I'm proud to be part of the teams that I was part of. I'm proud to know some of the people and individuals that I consider good mates who are successful. But at the end of the day, mm. they're just blokes. They're just normal lads that, that have a life, have a family, have different things going on. And you're right, we all get wrapped up in stuff. So the mm. WhatsApp groups are important to me. I'll organise stuff. It, it was a it was a role that I, th I thought I could do really well in when I joined the, the committee of the ex-players because most clubs would be the same. It's blokes mm. who are a little bit older, a little bit far detached from the game and don't have set quite the same connection with the lads that are playing now. And I thought I could be a good link there. But I also wanted my lot and the lads that I played with to feel like the club cared about them. So you played for one club, I played for four. Mm. The bulk of my career was here at Leeds, so that's where I where I, I feel most welcome. Some players who, who you could think of, a dozen players if you, if you put your mind to it, I've got five, six, seven clubs, so nobody actually takes ownership of them. Mm. So when they finish the game, they, they sort of fall out with the last club because they're too old, because they've not put plans in place. They're not ready for retirement. They're trying to eke out another year at mm. Champ One or or whatever it is, and they fall out the system, and they feel like they're lost. Yeah. So those players need to feel connected, and mm. and that's RL Cares that Keith Senior does does a lot of work. Keith's doing a great job uh, with Chris Rostron there, uh, and it's important we do those heritage things and we we buy into it. Mm. Um, I've had ten experiences, nine of them good, one of them bad. One of them were a bit, was not what I wanted, one of the, the reunions and the ex-players one. But I think 90% a fair fair ratio to, to yeah. still be motivated. And I know the lads on, on my WhatsApp groups will go, he's a mither and get him. Mm. All he does, and, and the Leeds one I'm on, mate, all we do is wish each other that happy birthday and yeah, yeah, well yeah. done on this and well yeah. done. It's the nicest one I'm on, but... It, it, it is what it is. It's all mm. relevant to the groups that you're in. So we are better Stevie and and I purposely put things in so you know it might be Paulie who's coaching at Cass now Paulie's got something that's going on in his life it might be wedding you know whatever christening whatever yeah. I'll put it in the group and then hopefully people latch onto it and it's oh yeah I didn't know that how are you yeah. going and there's an individual conversation that takes place so we all do our little bit and if we all try to do a little bit more than we're comfortable with and you put yourself out mm. there, which is that element of having a thick skin mm. and not having a fear of failure and not mm. not listening to the slagging off that you're getting behind your mm. back, just doing it because you know it's coming from a good place. Yeah. And I take great pride and great joy out of seeing the blokes together. My first couple of months working at Leeds, I, I organised a reunion for the 68-69 Challenge Cup team. Mm. And they were old men. And I didn't know what to expect. I knew an handful of them, but not really well. And watching those players come into the to the uh, taverners, because there was taverners reception, drinks reception first. Then we were in one of the rooms uh, for this big um, fancy function. And watching those blokes come in on walking sticks, limping, old men, bald head, broken noses, false teeth, one by one. 
grab each other, get each other in headlocks, you know, yeah, lock yeah, their yeah. arms behind yeah. their backs. And, you know, I just, I watched it and I thought that's, that's wonderful that. Yeah. To see those blokes who might not have seen each other for five, 10 years, still have that connection. I'm, I'm, I'm older now, but I, but when I see lads who I played with, I still have the same connection. I still yeah. have the same thoughts. And so somebody like Pauline Chez, who I think the world of, but when we're in a professional environment, it might be Sky and it might be them playing mm. them. It's not the same. But then when we see each other and the gloves are off and we're doing yeah. what we do in those reunions, it's brilliant because yeah. we just pick up where we left off yeah. and it's great. And, I, and I, I enjoy those things. I think they're important. I think it's important to still feel connected mm-hmm. either with the group of players that you played with or the club that you might have spent two years or 10 years. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's that, that's a basic sort of human need and it's make connection and to have that. I think people forget that um, and and sort of they can, you talk about mental illnesses and mental health illnesses or, you know, people struggling, you know, putting themselves or people having the ability to put themselves in the position where you know, taking that, that, that sort of reunion there as an example you know, there could be people sat at home there that think, oh, I don't want to go out there. Yeah. You know, I don't want to... And as well as, there's a, sorry to interrupt, there's, a, there's an embarrassment sometimes when you've left mm. the game because not everybody goes on and, and, and busy, becomes a master of empire. And becomes Some a sky sports. They don't. Some people have to go to, back to normality, go, go back to working in a warehouse or driving mm. a taxi or mm. driving an HGV. So sometimes lads don't want to come because they feel like... I don't, I, you know, I was this raging bull and look at me now, mm. I put a bit of weight on and bloody, bloody, blah, blah, whatever it is. So there's a little bit of work that has mm. to be, you know, there's a, there's a, we put one of the first ones that I did, I can't tell you the names, but there, there was a guy that I played with and he said, oh, but I don't want to come. I put a bit of weight on and I don't, you know, I'm just a bit sensitive about it all. And I went, listen, mate, just come, just turn up. Nobody bothered. We all, you know, yeah, we're all yeah. different. We've all changed. And he walked in the door. It was a little bit late arriving because he'd been working late as a taxi driver. And as soon as he walked in, one of the really sharp-witted lads that uh, that I used to play with, he uh, he said, "Fuck me, you put some timber on, haven't you?" At the top of his voice, in front of all this, po- I'm sure I saw a little tear in his eye. This this lad, you've but, got him through door as well. <laughs> but after an hour, it had gone. And it were back to normal and they were having a bit of a jibe with each other. And he, he thanked me and he said, I've loved it. I've really, yeah. really enjoyed it. I'm glad, I'm glad you made me come. It's so, apprehension in it, but people need to go through that. You get out of practice of being in a changing room, don't you? Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and you forget, don't you? And yeah. we, the Sky lads, we, you know, we, we all know each other and we know each other well enough to go, are you wearing that on? Yeah. Have you not got a shirt that fits you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, there's, we still got a little yeah. bit of that, you know. The wingers in the group get it mainly. The Carnies yeah. in the and the Wellses of this life. We we tend to bully them, but that's I think that's our job. That's our responsibility. That's how it's always has been, hasn't it? Yeah, mate, it's been awesome, awesome to have you on. I appreciate it, Stevie. Nice chatting. I, I I have enjoyed it, and I enjoy listening to 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 the stuff that you do. And it's good that it's not just rugby people, but mm. that's you know that's the the analogy for my life, and hopefully. You know, yeah. maybe your life in the future, what, yeah, yeah. what you learn and what you pick up, you can carry on. It's, it's just, I suppose, learning to understand and, and transfer those skills across the fact mm. that you're good at working under pressure. You're sometimes time reliant. 
you're motivated, you can take criticism, you know, all these all these good things that stand us in good stead. You've got to learn to transfer that. So That's I'm glad it, to see you doing so well. Good luck next year. Good luck with the 13, the captaincy and uh, yeah. Thank you, Paul. And it's been amazing for you to share your lessons yeah. on here. I'm sure, you know, people have to look into, into some of your highlights, some of your games, some of the times that we see you on Sky Sports television now as well. Um, and I guess just before we, we clock off, where can people find you and, 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 and where can people look you up? Well, I'm on Twitter. I do um, a little bit of the social media stuff. I, I have the different platforms. LinkedIn is from a professional yeah. entity. Twitter is my rugby entity, RL Barry Mac 10, yeah. which I should have thought a bit harder about it being easier. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and then the Instagram is for me and my mates I don't let nobody in who I don't know cool. but always happy to talk always happy to to listen to sensible people but mm. I get a one strike and you're out yeah. if I don't like what you're saying boom you're gone Yeah. and I make no apologies for that because awesome. I ain't got time for idiots awesome so Good have man. I blocked you yet? I think you have blocked me I keep messaging you never reply <laughs> I, had to, I had to go through a different I think I had to old school text message you didn't have to get you on not that old school yeah. good stuff mate well done cheers Baz nice one absolute legend mate thank you guys for listening before you get off check out the stuff that we've got going on at mentalityapparel.com and if you ever want to support us go over to patreon.com forward slash mentality that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash mentality you can support us in any capacity there but also you can join the mentality club and go towards making change making big change cheers guys see you on the next one